0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Greetings, this is Abayome Azikawe and welcome back to, to another edition of the Pan-African Journal. The Pan-African Journal is an audio news magazine that's brought to you here on a weekly basis. Uh, I am your host, uh, Abayome Azikawe. Today is Saturday, September 3rd, uh, 2022. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit. I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in uh, once again to yet another edition of our program. Uh, This weekend in the city of Detroit uh, is the 42nd uh, Annual Detroit Jazz Festival, and uh, there's a host of artists uh, that are appearing here in the city of Detroit during this weekend. This episode uh, coincides with the 42nd Annual Detroit Jazz Festival, where we will pay tribute uh, to artist Choco Valdez, uh, the in Residence this year in the city of Detroit and Abdullah Ibrahim, formerly known as Dollar Brand, who is also appearing at the four day gathering in downtown Detroit. We will also feature our regular Pan-African Newswire report uh, with dispatches on the water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi, where the overwhelming majority black belt municipality is under constant threat uh, from the state authorities. Cyril Ramaphosa, the President of the Republic of South Africa, has been invited to the White House to discuss trade later in the month. The United States administration of President Joe Biden has requested an additional tens of billions of dollars in assistance to continue the war in Ukraine against the Russian Federation. And a global economic crisis emanating from the United States is looming across the planet. In the second and third hours, we focus on the legacy of jazz music internationally. We'll hear an interview with Abdullah Ibrahim, formerly known as Dollar Brand, and later Hayda Brooks of the United States on the history of jazz and its social context. These and other features will be brought to you uh, during the course of our program. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll move to our our uh, musical interlude, and uh, in uh, this uh, program, we'll feature the artists in residence at the 42nd annual Detroit. Jazz Festival and that's Choco Valdez, uh, who uh, kicked off the festival uh, last night uh, with a African Cuban jazz orchestra performance. Let's listen to uh, Choco Valdez and the Afro Cuban Messengers uh, from uh, the album entitled Jazz Son Javier.
2: canto, Drake, en el Malé, en
3: balé. El Abreu, las congas. person being to be good
2: Rojas,
1: el peje. El peje en el droga. Ahora la voz femenina de la banda, Mayra
4: Caridad Valdés.
0: i
1: orchestra uh, playing uh, from a live concert, and um, Chico Valdez is uh, the artist in residence here in the city of Detroit, where we're broadcasting from this weekend uh, for the Detroit Jazz Festival. Uh, He opened up uh, last night, uh, the four-day festival, will be performing again uh, on Sunday and Monday. And uh, you're listening to the Pan-African Journal, Worldwide Radio Broadcast. Uh, I am your host, uh, Abayomi Azikwe. Uh Today is Saturday, September 3rd, 2022. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit. Right now, we'd like to move into our Pan-African Newswire segment. And uh, these are just some of the headlines in today's uh, Pan-African Newswire In Jackson, Mississippi, the 150,000 residents of the municipality, which is the capital of the southern United States of Mississippi, uh, endured a fourth straight day without clean running water, Uh, Thursday, uh, with authorities urging those who still have supplies to shower with their mouths closed. The city, where 80% of the population is African American and poverty is rife, has been experiencing recurring water crises for years. But this week's ordeal plunged Jackson into an emergency, with days of major flooding disrupting the operation of a critical but aging water treatment plant. When residents turn on the tap, many see only a few drops emerge or brown water sputters out. Some are spending hours waiting in line to collect bottled water. Like we're living in a nightmare right now, Aaron Washington, a student, At Jackson State University, which is a historically uh, black college and university, those who do have running water can shower or bathe, but they are being warned not to consume what is coming out of the pipes. Please make sure in the shower that your mouths are not open because, again, you do not want to ingest the water. That's according to Jim Craig, Director of Health Protection at the Mississippi Department of Health. City officials uh, said uh, just two days ago they were seeing improvements with some neighborhoods beginning to regain water pressures. Jackson's water treatment plant uh, made significant gains overnight and into this morning, the city said, a day after an emergency pump was installed while employees worked on getting the facility fully back online. There are some challenges remaining to navigate over the next few days, but the outlook for today is currently continued progress, an official city website indicated. Acknowledging resident frustrations is warranted, Jackson Mayor Chukwe Antar Lumumba said, I just want to assure you that you have a unified front at this hour, endeavoring to fix it. Daily life uh, has nevertheless been severely disrupted. Uh, schools have been shifted to remote learning, and businesses that have been struggling in the aftermath of the coronavirus pandemic are now suffering further. Hotels and restaurants already on thin margins either cannot open or they have to make special accommodations, including including, uh, the purchase of ice, water, and soft drinks. Jackson Chamber of Commerce President Jeff Rent told the international press city residents are getting worn out and choosing not to dine in Jackson's Said Sarah Friedler who manages the Brent's drug diner lamented to local paper, the clarion ledger, Mississippi governor Tate Reeves, who earlier declared a state of emergency said he has mobilized hundreds of national guard members to coordinate the distribution of drinking water. While he acknowledged there has been criticism of how the crisis has been handled, What we're focused on right now is the immediate recovery from this emergency, Reeves told a press conference. The situation in Jackson where a similar water crisis hit early last year in 2021 is reminiscent of a water contamination scandal in Flint, Michigan, which is about 70 miles or perhaps uh, some 120 kilometers uh, from where we're broadcasting from in downtown Detroit. In the state of Michigan in the past decade, this uh, crisis arose as a result of undemocratic emergency management over um, the majority of African-American cities in the state of Michigan, which created the Flint water crisis beginning in 2014. Now, this mushroomed into one of the worst municipal health failures in the history of the United States. In the industrial city of Flint, a change in the source of drinking water, which authorities determined would save money, which was absurd, It was only done to break up the Detroit Water and Sewage Department uh, and their control over large swaths of water resources uh, throughout uh, the state of Michigan. ended up contaminating the system and exposing residents to lead lead poisoning and copper poisoning and also Legionnaires' disease, serious injuries, critical injuries, and numerous deaths and dislocation further uh, for the majority African-American city of Flint. In other news, in the Republic of South Africa, President Cyril Ramaphosa will be on an official visit to the United States to meet United States President Joe Biden later this month. The White House on Friday announced that on September the 16th, Biden would welcome his South African counterpart to discuss areas of cooperation and deepen trade ties. The two countries' positions on the war in Ukraine is also expected to be discussed. Ramaphosa's meeting with Biden in the U.S. in two weeks' time will be the second-top-level diplomatic engagement between the two countries and trading partners. International Relations Cooperation Minister and Lady Pandor met with her U.S. counterpart, Anthony Blinken, in Pretoria just last month for the South Africa-United States Strategic Dialogue. A statement the White House said Ramaphosa and Biden will be building on their phone call in April, as well as strategic dialogue in August. And you're listening to uh, the Pan African NewsWire segment of the Pan African Journal. In other news, as the initiator of the Iran- U- Ukraine crisis, according to uh, Global Times, the United States has been its biggest winner, standing on the sidelines while reaping the benefits. This deserves consideration and vigilance from the world, a spokesperson on China's Foreign Ministry said on yesterday. The remarks uh, came in response to comments by some in the European media who have said that the U.S. is masquerading as a savior while banking huge profits by selling gas to European countries, with the latter facing energy shortages due to sanctions targeting the Russian Federation that forced them to buy U.S. natural gas at very elevated prices. The comments are very reasonable. Person for the ministry of foreign affairs uh he said this uh, yesterday during a regular press briefing the comprehensive escalation of the ukraine crisis has continued for more than a half a year facts have once again proved that unilateral sanctions by the united states and the western imperialist countries cannot solve the problem on the contrary their spillover effects continues to snowball as the initiators of the ukrainian crisis the Chinese uh, foreign Foreign Ministry stated, the U.S. has now become the biggest winner, reaping the benefits. This is worthy of consideration and vigilance by the whole world, Zhao warned. Zhao said he is aware of reports that the gap between gas prices in the European and U.S. markets is now as much as 10 times a record high. Zhao cited George Galloway, former British parliamentarian, who said that the U.S. is ready to fight to the last drop of Ukrainian blood in the end, it's prepared to fight to the last drop of European blood. And uh, finally, uh, Yi Xiaozong uh, gave a keynote speech at the 2020 Forum for Beijing. It was entitled Two Zones Development and Ninth China Inbound-Outbound Forum that took place on yesterday. The global economy is at risk of stagnation with high rates of inflation debt and interest rates at the same time as low growth. If the Russia-Ukraine conflict is prolonged, it will definitely further aggravate global shortages of energy and food, which will trigger a global economic crisis on a scale similar to that seen in 2008. Now, that's according to the former World Trade Organization Deputy Director General and former Vice Minister of Commerce, Yi Xiaozong, and uh, they said this on yesterday. He made the remarks at the 2022 Forum for Beijing, as we mentioned, two zones, a development of a nice China inbound outbound forum, uh, which was co-hosted by the Beijing Municipal Leading Group Office for the two zones and the Center for China and Globalization (the CCG). Thank you. He said that global economic governance is facing multiple challenges amid multiple crises. It is likely that a financial tsunami like the one in 2008 will be repeated on a global scale. However, the world seems unprepared for the crisis that many economists are predicting. While the 2008 financial crisis was ferocious and extremely destructive, it was lucky that the major economies at the time showed the political will for cooperation and urgently established the G20 cooperation mechanism leading the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and the World Trade Organization to conduct multilateral cooperation. This finally curbed the further spread of the financial crisis, Yee indicated. However, today, the three Britain Woods institutions responsible for global economic governance are deeply divided. And the G20, the last line of defense against the global economic crisis, is barely functioning, he noted. Ye mentioned that the World Bank has recently forecast that the world economy could fall by the most in in 80 years, with inflation rates above 8% in Europe, the United States, and emergency economies. And the number of hungry and malnourished people in the world is set to increase by 13 million, compared with the number of 770 million in 2021. He said that in the current situation, once the financial crisis spreads around the world, countries are likely to adopt beggar thy neighbor policies and set up barriers just as they did during the great depression in the 1930s which will bring disastrous consequences he also warned that the multilateral trading system represented by the world trade organization faces big challenges trade protectionism measures such as buying domestic goods industrial chain reshoring and other unspeakable measures which were contemptuous of the past can even be regarded as national policies today. However, trade liberalization, facilitation, global economic integration, non-discriminatory treatment, most favored nation treatment clauses, and other important World Trade Organization cornerstones have been shaken, be indicated. And with that, uh, we're going to conclude uh, the Pan-African Newswire segment of the Pan-African Journal. In concluding this segment of our program, Uh, We'd like to remind our listeners that the Pan-African Newswire is an international electronic press service. It is designed to foster intelligent discussions on the affairs of African people throughout the continent and the world. The press agency was founded in January of 1998, and since then it has published tens of thousands of articles and dispatches, in numerous newspapers, uh, magazines, journals, research reports, and on blogs and websites throughout the world. The Pan-African Newswire represents the only daily international news source on Pan-African and global affairs. If you'd like to log on to the Pan-African Newswire so you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day, uh, just go to our website uh, at the Pan-African Radio Network. That's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. And uh, if you'd like to read the – if you'd like to listen to this program, and if you'd like to read the Pan-African Newswire, just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. And for the Pan-African Journal Worldwide Radio Broadcast, go to the Pan-African Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. We'll take a break. Uh, We'll be back with more of the Pan-African Journal Worldwide Radio Broadcast for this week.
0: Autumn in New York. Why does it seem... In New York It spells the thrill Of first nighting Glittering crowds And shimmering clouds And canyons of steel They're making me fear It's autumn in New York That brings the promise of new love Autumn in New York Is often good to live it again Autumn in New York The gleaming rooftops at and down Autumn in New York It lifts you up when you're And shed the red will tell you that it
1: Autumn in New York uh, by the legendary uh, Billie Holiday. And, of course, um, summer in the United States will be uh, continuing for another two and a half weeks, uh, close to three weeks. Uh, But, of course, the season is changing. Uh, You can tell that uh, by outside. And uh, we always like to play uh, Autumn in New York by uh, Billie Holiday uh, at uh, this time of year when we have the Detroit Jazz Festival in downtown Detroit. And uh, right now we want to uh, focus on uh, Abdullah Ibrahim uh, from the Republic of South Africa, formerly known as Dollar Brand, uh, a decades-long icon of uh, jazz music worldwide, emanating from um, Cape Town, South Africa. And this is an extensive interview uh, with uh, Abdullah Ibrahim, who tonight uh, will be headlining uh, the Detroit Jazz Festival at the main stage. Uh, So we'll definitely be covering uh, that uh, concert. And, of course, here is an interview uh, with uh, Abdullah Ibrahim.
0: From the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C.
1: You're listening to. uh, It is such a great pleasure to be sitting sitting next to this gentleman.
2: We spent a fair amount of time today going through some treasures in the collection, and it was fun to see your reaction to those, including some things you haven't seen in decades. Yeah. Some not in fifty years. But even before we start, I'd like to uh, acknowledge. And thank the Reva and uh, David Logan Foundation for underwriting the, this entire residency of Abdullah Yirmi. They also were generous uh, in supporting the Maria Schneider residency. So we are grateful to them, and we're happy that you all came tonight. So, thank and it occurs to me that there are many different ways you can learn about music. These days, literally, you can go to school. You can go to conservatory. You can learn your instrument and spend your entire life practicing. You can read books. You can go to live performances. But for me, one of the greatest ways to learn about music is to talk to the masters. And we are very fortunate that we have one of these masters with us here tonight. I want you to help me welcome Abdullah Ibrahim. (laughs)
4: You. <laughs> okay.
2: So I think I'd like to start just by asking, you know, I alluded to the fact that we, ha- we had a session this afternoon.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And we looked at some of the treasures. And I wondered if there were any things in particular that resonated with you that really caught your attention.
4: Hmm. Well, possibly all of them. All of them, there is a narrative and experience locked in with the seeing the uh, scores—Mingus, Eric Eric Dolphy, uh, Duke. I was fortunate that I could interact with these great musicians. uh, I haven't been in this part of the world for, for some time. Almost 20 years since we did our last tour in the United States, so it's gratifying. and It's quite a, a wonderful experience to almost a step back in time. But that time, fact, being brought to present moment and a lot of the music that I looked at is like things that we forgot to follow up hmm. especially as a, as a composer you're always left with a with <coughs> residual stuff <laughs> that needs to be updated and upgraded on it. I have to go back to it uh, some of the things that we that you write um, we call it the spur of the moment and uh, some years later you, you begin to really understand what it means so it's this this wonderful present that we've been given to understand the what we experience the past in this moment, this present moment. When Jay and myself, Jay is my colleague from <laughs> from Johannesburg, when we... After we spent, what was it, four hours? We, we
2: spent we, four hours.
4: Yeah. <laughs> we went back to the hotel and uh, we had promised that we would celebrate with green tea. <laughs> but the celebration still hasn't happened because we're still enthralled with this wonderful experience that you've given us. You know.
2: I so should mention you. and share the fact that one of the extraordinary parts of our collection have to do with the copyright office and the fact that musicians and composers who registered their work before the 1970s would literally write out the composition on what is called a lead sheet. It's basically a skeleton of the piece. And this is how you registered your work for copyright. You would send in the lead sheet with a little fee, and then the copyright office stamps it. (laughs) And we had literally millions of these. Many of them are stored in our warehouse out in Landover, Maryland. And so, because I knew Abdullah was coming, I spent an afternoon in the copyright office just looking for anything, either under the name Dollar Brand, which was uh, his original professional name, or yeah. Abdullah Ibrahim. The things for Abdullah Ibrahim, he registered with sound recordings. But the things under Dollar Brand's name, we have maybe 15 or 20 15 of them, I
4: mean, yeah.
2: and they're, ha- they're in his hand which to me is always revealing, to see somebody's mm. handwriting. Um, and so it was an indescribable pleasure for me to bring this envelope, to yeah. have him sit down, <laughs> and I said, take a look. And we pulled out these sheets that he hasn't seen in 50 years.
4: Yeah.
2: And, and those songs, some, mm. of you, some of these songs are very well known, yeah. and some not at all. Not at all, yeah some things you hadn't even recorded. No. So, can you give me a sense? I know you tend to live in the moment. Yes, we talked about that. Um, But at the same time, what kind of memories go through your mind when you see a composition you wrote 50 years ago and there's a story behind each one?
4: Yes, uh, it's a a document that was created or initiated at that time. It's something that we have to follow through, because embedded in there is a... even if it was fifty years ago, there was a... I wrote the music either about an event or about people, and there's always this uh, um, expansion of, of, of understanding what it is that we captured at that time. So seeing the music today, some of the, most of those, uh, those songs I hardly play any, anymore, but, uh, uh, and then when you showed me some of the Ellington, Ellington things, you uh, at that time at 60 and from 59, uh, we were already uh, working on, uh, on uh, non-traditional harmonies and, and rhythms, um, and when I met Ornette, and of course Ellington, when I met Ornette and, and Don Cherry, they they really endorsed what we had been uh, what I have been writing, like uh, in the late late fifties. So seeing the the, the charts today uh, says to me that. Uh, these are works that need to be revisited and, uh, and maybe completed because that what the the charts is actually just like all lead sheets. It doesn't give us a uh, an idea of of harmonically uh, we have called symbols. Right? So. I would like to take some of those songs and just go and re, restructure them, mm-hmm. for a, my a big band, which is also great for, for uh, to, as a, uh, an anchor curriculum for younger musicians, and then include these uh, works that the other, the other composers like Ellington's, uh, uh such sweet thunder uh, there's a wealth of there's a wealth of uh, there's a wealth of material most of it the things that we haven't touched so so we practice uh, we used to practice twenty four seven now it's like twenty five eight of them <laughs>
2: you've given me a task. <laughs> Now one thing that occurred to me just gaging your reaction to things today these compositions of yours are born out of your experience. These are not abstract feelings that are evoked. These are events that occur in your life or people that you know. Is it still that way?
4: Sure. Uh, When I was in high school my composition teacher gave me a you know, people in your life uh, give you little treasures that you keep. and it it guides you on the path. And my composition teacher at high school told me that when you write about something, write about the things that you know best. Right? The things that I know best is the people that I interact with or events that happen. So, in that sense, I think the the stories and the music and the sound then becomes uh, unique. So I really don't have to compete or challenge with other with others to yeah
2: yeah, so uh, I don't know how many people here understand or know much about Abdullah's past and the context that he comes out of as a mm-hmm. creative pianist, composer and band leader. But, so let's talk just a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you're born when and where? 1934, Cape Town. And Cape Town at that time, um, your mother played piano?
4: My mother and grandmother were both uh, pianists in the in the church, the ah. A M E church.
2: Okay, and so you so. grew up with a piano in the house.
4: Yeah, at that time, the instrument of choice uh, <laughs> probably out of design was a piano. So many people had had piano, uh, pianos in their homes. Some were pianos. Some used to be pianos, <laughs> uh, but there was a piano there.
2: Did you take to it naturally? or did your mother have to tell you to practice?
4: No, there was, there was an instrument in the house. And I became curious and started, you know, on the instrument. And then my, my grandmother realized, and she sent me to uh, to the local school teacher to learn how to read music. Mm-hmm. And that opened up a, a, com- a complete, uh, another world for me. Not just musically, but in terms of uh, of experiencing a global, international dynamic,
2: because you were hearing music from all over the world.
4: Yeah, because Cape Town is very, very unique in that you know because of its geographical uh, uh, position. It's a port city. It's a port city, but it was—it's the gateway between west and east. You know, between Europe and and, and the East. So a lot of the, the shipping ships came to. Uh, so it, it has a very, very deep history. We have uh, perhaps people from from all over the, the world, from from Malaysia. There were uh, slaves and political prisoners who were brought to Cape Town because they they fought the, the invading Dutch in the Malay Archipelago. The and it became a, a battleground before between the East and West. Mm. Cape Town, uh, when the Dutch landed there, and then the British, you know, there was conflict with the British and the Dutch, especially during the Crimea War, when Cape Town became a very strategic uh, strategic point. Uh, the first people we from from our uh research the first people who came there were, were Phoenicians, and Arabs. It was very, very unique place. So at an early age we were we were exposed to this world culture and world music, Indian music, Chinese music, people who were in the community. So So if we look at our relationship with the with the rest of the world for example not specifically the West but the East um, one of the things that we are researching now is uh, the narrative of of, uh, Admiral Zheng He the 14th, 15th century Chinese uh, explorer and from China he did a well, seven expeditions. He had 300 ships. The mothership was the size of a football field and unsinkable. He had uh, doctors and scribes and he did it to India and back to China. Uh, yeah, and then he came around to India, to the to. Uh, Arabia and then down the coast of East Africa. And for example, in East Africa and Kenya those places, the people still at this day, uh, they uh, have uh, uh, memories and recollection of this armada that came to, that came to the east um, east east of Africa. So there has been a, a considerable uh, interaction. You know, this was 13th, 14th century. Hmm. Uh, we suspect that he rounded the cape also. Uh, so during the years we've been researching this uh, connection with ourselves and and internationally, and one of the things that we uh, research uh, researching Venice. Because Venice at that point was the, the center, of center of culture. I was with the Medici family and so on. And uh, there was a young uh, Venice uh, explorer from Venice who traveled parallel with uh, with Admiral Zheng He, and then he went back to to Venice, and the Pope uh, requested the meeting. And uh, he told the pope his experiences, and he drew a map of the world. This was the first map that was mm-hmm. known and this was the map that Columbus also used. But this is from General Zheng He. So our narrative, our narrative in Africa, and especially in South Africa, is very, 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 very broad, in perspective of perspective of world history. So we were we were influenced by. By all of these cultures, right? and so writing the music was going to say, write about the
2: thing that you know best. So as as you're growing up, you're hearing music on the street, yes. you're hearing live performance. Are you hearing radio music on radio?
4: Yeah, well, there was a radio program, there was one program from Lorenzo Marx because. Uh, everything for us was monitored during <laughs> during the, the regime. You know, there were things that were banned, and, but we had, uh, as always, we have young people who are very resourceful. So everything that was banned, we had access to it. There was no, it was no <laughs> problem. Okay? So, so we had radio, and one of the radio programs was the Voice of America with Willis Konover. And we had corresponded, I had corresponded with him and when he passed away, when we came to to New York, I met his, I met his widow. Uh, the, so it was through radio, jazz programs, but I mean, especially, you know South Africa, you understand in South Africa we have nine different nations with <laughs> different languages and different, different cultures. So I was fortunate that I lived in every way in South Africa. So I was able to absorb some you know, some of these, these cultures. And um, radio, one of the, the first things uh, where I heard uh, uh, jazz was radio. But also that time they had ice cream, ice cream bands that would go around the time. ice cream band, yeah. Yeah, they used to play Louis Jordan. That's why. I... <laughs>
2: that's pretty good yeah. ice cream band. Like
4: ice cream. I like that. Yeah, so that's when I heard uh, uh, Louis Jordan. I, up to the night, I don't know who this person was uh, 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 you who know, who made that selection. But uh, And that got us interested in, especially because... Uh, uh, Louis Jordan was like a, a precursor to Johnny Hodges and, and Bird, right? And it resonated with us because it was also very close to to, 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 to our tradition. Piano, you know, uh, boogie woogie. Yeah.
3: So
2: uh, when um, did you start to attempt to play jazz? Um, it was at an early age.
4: <laughs> the, Apparently, the word got around that there was this young piano player, and these limousines used to pull up, uh, house. And again, these young, resourceful people with no means of visible means of support would ask me if I would like to play for their, their concert or their vocal group. And then my grandmother said, "Well, it was, I was about the first gig was about." I'm 13, 14 years of age. And I used to play for vocal groups, hmm. you know, based on like the Deep River Boys. and They copied this, but they used traditional traditional music.
2: These would be popular songs classical. or religious songs or?
4: Well, we played for everything. Fan songs, want. yeah. Yeah, we, we played in church and then uh, Saturday night, you do your thing, Friday night. and uh, Sunday in church. So we played so, all the music.
2: So you were telling us earlier tonight about your first group, uh, something about Tuxedo, a group?
4: Yeah, the first big band that I played yes. with was about 16 years of age, it was a big band because at that time the big bands abounded in South Africa. Yeah. And in Cape Town there were two big bands and one that I played with was called the Tuxedo Slickers.
2: Tuxedo Slickers.
4: Yeah, and the theme nice. the theme song was Tuxedo Junction. Mm-hmm.
2: Erskine <laughs> Hawkins.
4: Erskine es- es- Hawkins. Oh. Mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. So we had this this broad experience from all music, from Britain, Britain, Africa, America,
2: uh, yeah, the East. So I I suppose most people's perception of South African popular culture, I'm talking about internationally, is all tied to this brutal racist regime that imposed an apartheid system and I wonder how that regime dealt with jazz so what did it represent to the regime and what did what did jazz represent to the musicians?
4: Well we have a a very unique mentors. They prefer to remain totally anonymous. They tell us to we will teach you but don't tell anybody about us. These are unsung mentors in our communities. Incredible, incredible people, very knowledgeable. And so these were our mentors, and at an early age, they made they made us understand that this was not a whatever the regime was trying to tell us it was was not really true. It was really that we were dealing with a we were dealing with a human condition in which we, which we had to transcend and uh, and so in an earlier age it was <laughs> impressed on us that it would be imperative that we, that we should recognize that they are not our teachers And <laughs> not our teachers my great-grandmother, great-grandfather, people so we, we do now interaction with them the Bushman people never fought a war. They call themselves the harmless people you know, because we think they'll resolve resolve things so Whatever the regime attempted to, to put into our heads and make us believe that this was going to be a uh, conflict, we understood and and our, our leadership also like Mandela, this is what the, the, the narrative that was, that was happening underground and not what, what they were, were telling us we were, so who we were supposed to be and what we are supposed to, to be doing. So we understood that they, that they are not our teachers and that we, they cannot
2: choose the battlefield for us.: okay. But at the same time, they were able to control your movement, for example, yes. where you went. What, how you could work, what kind of music you could perform. You should.
4: Who you should play with. You had to get a, a special permit for musicians, you know, the ethnic group they are. But we understood that it was totally... Not even unethical. It was, it was not correct, because in the scheme of things, you can't throw anything out of the universe. Where will you put it? <laughs> <laughs> so no matter where, no matter where they try to move, move us in. It's fine. Was no. it,
2: was it dangerous for you to play jazz?
4: Uh, it was dangerous. What they perceived to be dangerous. <laughs> They we would everybody was dangerous to them though. <laughs> no? If you because uh, uh, their plan was to take away our identity. Not not just our ethnic identity, but our human identity. You see? And and make us believe that things can be solved through brutality. And we refused. We refused.
2: And that was the power and strength that got through. Did you choose to play jazz just because you liked the music aesthetically, or were you trying to make a statement?
4: Never making a statement. Oh, I'd try to make a statement about,
5: <laughs> 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 what shall I say? Yeah.
4: <laughs> the, we understood and even of the day that our goal is to, to perfect whatever it is that we're doing. Um, and nothing more, more than that. The, one of the Bushman elders <laughs> t- told us, uh, I said to him, uh, you know, humanity, we are at a loss. We need water and we need wisdom. So he said to me, "That is a very interesting analogy that you' draw, and he said, see in the in the infinite there is always conflict between the planets and the stars, but it has to be like this because this is the order and It takes a long time to maintain this order, and there's a lot of suffering involved to maintain this order. And God put us on this earth to maintain this order. And it takes a long time and suffering, but eventually humanity will have to accept it. And you, like me, we were given the task to tell people about this order, whether they laugh at us or whether they push us aside and wherever you are I'm holding your hand, you you are my brother and this is where the message that was there for our mentors and our elders Uh, we are representatives here to to maintain to maintain this order and they we will not we will not follow them because it's it's not correct
2: Do you believe in faith? We say
4: patience is to faith what head is to the body.
2: Yeah, let me think about that.
4: <laughs> patience yeah. is to faith yes. what head is to the body.
2: Mm-hmm. Faith is actually patience. So, you to be it, are things in your mind, in your belief, Are things predetermined? Were you fated or destined to be a musician, to be a composer, to live in the world?
4: (laughs) Uh, the township, they banned everything, but we read everything. Ah, (laughs) really? We experienced, we experienced everything. I mean, okay. Now, how did you? So we started reading everything. I mean, everything from Shakespeare to Marx and Hegel and. In the Bhagavad Gita, we went through all of it. And when we Western philosophers, the process was this, this idea of predestination and free will. So, how can you be predestined? they are predestined, but you have free will. So how does this work? I said, well, you're predestined, but you you can you can choose. I said, but if it's predestined. I said, what is, what is the conflict We you have free will? I said, but the Lord's prayer says, Thy will be done. <laughs> oh. So everything is predestined. Either you believe it or not. This is, this is where the separation comes. Because if you say that it's not predestined, you're you saying that God does not know. And we were taught like from, you know, when we were children that, Live your destiny.
5: Yeah.
4: And when you understand your destiny, you understand what other people live their destiny, so you
2: have no conflict with others. There's no reason to fight them. So, if you don't mind, let me resume the chronology. In early 60s, probably around 62, things become much worse mm-hmm. in South Africa, and you choose to go into exile. Yeah. Was this just a gradual decision that you came to, or was there an event or something that precipitated this decision?
4: Yeah, for all of us there were, there were events, like in the uh, late f- 50s and 60s. They, they became paranoid, hmm. <laughs> because they, they knew that change was going you know, on, Uh, especially with the music that we played at that time our our parents our grandparents were a little more accommodating to understand that but the 60's came and the the collective uh, understanding was that we are not afraid of you anymore we have no fear for you, because before there was the fear, mm-hmm. and especially with the with a so-called Soweto uprising, young people refused to, to study in Afrikaans language. And I took to the streets and I did say, but we have no fear for you anymore. And that was the beginning. <laughs> the beginning of the end, and then they started reacting very, very, very violently. And uh, for me personally, because everybody understood this, uh, there, would, uh, there would be that knock on your door at four o'clock in the morning, hmm. you know, and nobody would see you after that. <laughs> so they came to me in the morning, and they put me to prison, to jail. And the next morning, I appeared in court, and I was charged with a traffic violation. (laughs) And they were going to take me to some outpost there where I was supposed to pay the fine. But as I I walked towards the court, the the station commander was Afrikaner. He said to me, are you not a member here, Jasper." I said, "What are you doing here?" So I explained. So he pulled me out.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he he pulled,
4: yeah, he pulled me out. You see? Then I said, "Wait a minute. There's something deeper." <laughs> anyway, so I explained to him, and he said, "Okay, we'll try and fix it for you today." And then he said, "Well, come and come into my office." And uh, then he called. He said. The other policeman said, Paul Django, this was his name, called Django, Django. And we all feared Django. He was very brutal. So Django came in, and, and then the commanding officer said to Django, Hey, hey, hey man, play nice music. Hey Django, why don't you arrange... Uh, A nice party for us. (laughs)
5: Get some girls. (laughs) Get
4: some girls. (laughs) I say, yes, thank you very much. (laughs) Because if the gangsters heard (laughs) about this, this would be the end of me. So, but my people bailed me out and the next day I got out of South Africa because they were coming.
2: And where did you go?
4: uh, I had a friend who invited us to go to Switzerland.
2: You went to Switzerland? Switzerland. In Zurich? Zurich, yeah, okay. Uh, and at what point is that where you met Duke Ellington? Yeah. Talk a little bit about the circumstances and what it led to. Well,
4: uh, Zurich at that time. <laughs> yeah, when we landed landed there, it was the coldest winter in sixty mm-hmm. years. And then, whew. if we had money, we were headed right back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we stayed there, and some of the students, they were very very helpful. Helped us get accommodation, and then a lot of uh, 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 American musicians came through on concerts. Uh, I had a lot of them there: Ellington, the Jazz Messengers, Art Blakey. Yeah. Art Blakey. Uh, that's, where Bezies, that's where I met uh, yeah. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Shorter. Shorter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Freddie, Freddie Hubbard. Yeah.
2: And so you started to meet more and more American, yeah, American jazz musicians.
4: musicians but, you know, we, we had. The, I was giving this mm-hmm. little club in uh, in Zurich. Uh, then we had a, that Duke uh, was coming for and uh, so, uh, but the club owner didn't want us to have a, a night off to go there. Mm. So my fiance, my wife after you know she she passed on. Satima. She went to the, the concert and we were just playing. In fact, they were busy closing up the, the, the club when she walked in with, with Ellington and the whole entourage just come. I said, what? <laughs> she, she convinced Ellington to come and listen to, listen to us and he, he heard us and then two days later he took us to, to Paris. To record uh, for reprise, reprise records, and uh, on that session, <laughs> he, there was a uh, Billy Strayhorn was there. said sat on the recording. So, but before the session started, he asked Sadima, so "What do you do?"
2: She didn't know she was a vocalist. No. You know that he was married at that time to Sathima Benjamin, Benjamin uh, well, who was a great yes. South African vocalist, yeah.
4: and so... He said, I sing. I said, okay, we'll start with you.
2: In the studio? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs>
4: so he said, what do you want to do? He says, I got it bad. So Dick says to I me, mean, well, you do it. Hmm. He says, I said, no, Maestro, this is your song. So I said, okay, let me do it. I said, what key? I said, B. He said, okay, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, you've got to do it. So, so they, they recorded They recorded her and some of the pieces, Billy Strayhorn. What was the piece that he recorded last time it was recorded? It was by Ivy Anderson.
2: I got it bad.
4: Yeah. That ain't good. And Strayhorn playing song, yeah. And this was done for, for reprise, records, this is Frank Sinatra's label.
2: So Frank Sinatra basically hired Duke Ellington to be a producer or A and R person yeah, for, for his label. Yeah. And you were one of the first people they signed? Yeah, the first one. Wow. Yeah. And so what is Ellington like in the studio? Is he relaxed? Is he controlling? What's very, very his personality?
4: Very, very.
2: <laughs> I learned a lot about
4: the recording, <laughs> the recording, recording session because, I mean, we look at uh, recordings, especially in South Africa. You know, the, uh, the process of recording this was still, the Duke was Little things that he that he said to us, so, yeah. and. Uh, that's totally, totally relaxing, relaxing. Manner. <laughs> Remember, so one of the pieces, uh, my drummer, like the drummers sometimes do, the, 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 the tempo. If the tempo starts like this, it will end up like that. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so I said to Duke, I think we should record it again. I said, well, why? He said, well, you know, the drummer picked up the tempo, and I just leave it. That's folk.
5: <laughs>
4: <Exactly>. <laughs> so, yeah. I know. Mean, you know. you believe in this a second take or a third take. You know. mm-hmm. What is it? I'm Unless the, there's a technical mistake in the world.
2: For that, you were working with your trio. Yeah, or, my trio. Okay.
5: <coughs> and we
4: had. Uh, uh, and St. Asmussen, the violinist. The violinist. The violinist, yes. Yeah. Violinist. Great player. He recorded a lot of people around at that time in Paris, and this was at the the, the period when he did the the famous uh, Paris concert. Mm -hmm. So we were blessed.
2: And so I assume that when that record comes out, and literally the title is something like Duke Ellington Presents presents Dollar Brand Trio, that must have done something for your career. Yeah.
4: We didn't realize it afterwards, but we were talking to musicians especially afterwards and uh, getting the impression of how this this album really, effect, because it was something that they had never heard about or thought about, to go into, in terms of composition and in terms of concept, just going in another direction and open, open up everything away from a static total center mm. uh, and Duke asked me oh, one of my songs called Sunday the 7th and he liked the song and he said to me why don't you arrange it for big band and every time when he came to, 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 to Zurich I see him and ask me did you finish that? And I, I was absolutely terrified, to <laughs> And I said, what do? And I said, uh, uh, I didn't write this. He says, why? I said, oh, I said, I'm afraid I'll make a mistake. <laughs> well, then tear it up and write another one. <laughs> <laughs> but I never attempted it. But there
2: are right. good mistakes. Well,
4: yes? oh, in, in the end, when I, when I studied uh, Budo and martial arts, we realized there's no, there's no mistake. There's no such thing as a mistake. A mistake is just something that occurs that you have to resolve, whether it's in music or whether in, in, a, in your life. So my Japanese Budo master
2: says, when you make mistake, make good mistake.
5: <laughs>
2: By the way, I know you have studied martial arts for many years. Uh, are you studying Aikido? What, do you, what specific... Is only <laughs>
4: <when> <laughs> the this idea of martial arts is totally a new concept to, to, to people. The, the the term in Japan is Budok. In Budo as the calligraphy is two, two uh, words. one is Bu, which means stop fighting.
2: Stop fighting.
4: Bu- bu-do. And Do is the way, the way of not fighting. It has nothing to do with fighting. It, the, the, the idea is the challenge with the self, you see. So the principle is that you do not try to overcome others, you become unbeatable. Hmm. And this is also the, 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 the concept of playing, of playing the music, the way that, you know, that's why you keep on
2: practicing, Practicing, right. In order to to reach that. So uh, if you element. practice enough, maybe you become unbeatable. Uh, my teacher says, uh,
4: "Budo not for fighting. If you want to fight, use gun quicker."
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think.
4: Uh-huh. Um. So the the the, 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 the uh, for us the. Practice is 95 percent, performance is 5 yeah. percent, because the, the, the essence and the, the understanding lies in the continuous repetition of in practice, this is where you begin to understand yourself, Be, because uh, music is just even means to an end, it's not an end.
2: Yes, you said yesterday it's pointing.
4: Yeah, like language you say language is a finger pointing at the moon but it's not the moon right? it's, an it's an illusion sh- pardon and it's illusion. an illusion <laughs> you see? so you're dealing you dealing with what is uh, uh what is hidden and what is obvious mm. so many people in the culture you have about people of 90 percent uh, obvious and five, 10 percent hidden for us it's 10% obvious and 90% hidden. Okay. And so we understand with all all the, all the, the jazz masters that uh, this is the, the way to, to attain them.
2: So when you're talking about practice, what you, what are you referring to specifically? Are you talking about technique, being able to play cleanly, evenly at the keyboard, or are you talking about something else?
4: Well, no. You know, if you're, you're a piano player, you don't know, I, I finally, after all these years I bought, I could afford to buy a Fazioli grand oh, piano. nice piano. Because, yeah, because the studio factory is just up the road from where we are in, in Germany. So finally I got a Fazioli piano. <laughs> now, if you have a piano, you, you need a home. Yeah, we got to move the stuff all around, you know. So finally with my fiancé, she's a medical doctor, help us, and so now I have a grand piano. So now the problem comes with practice, with the neighbors. (laughs) Yeah, it was always a problem. You know, those years we tried to soundproof soundproof (laughs) the rooms that you had with these the something that they put the eggs in, you remember? Yeah, yeah. So the <laughs> It never worked. Yeah, soundproof. <laughs> it never worked. so we were thinking, oh, how are we going to do this? We going to soundproof on this room. And then my fiance said, no, why don't you speak to 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 Fazioli because they're working with Yamaha, and they've created this a uh, this attachment that uh, uh, attaches to the piano, but you you put a you put earphones on. Oh. You see? So it's still the sound of the piano, it's not Mickey Mouse sound, you know. oh. But, so you, you can uh, shove it in and then you play it uh, acoustically or you, you put the earphones in. So the reason why I got this, because my neighbor, when I started practicing, he said to me, Oh, that's a wonderful playing, but can you play a complete song? <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> then I said to my friends get the earphones. <laughs>
4: Uh, because the practice is the principle of repetition. Mm. You know, Not like where everything, if you want to, if, if you want to, uh, to, uh, to perfect it, it comes through repetition. And sometimes it's, it's very, very boring, but you, you begin to understand the things that, I, that emerge through this uh, this constant repetition. You know, because there are no secrets; they're only basics. Uh,
2: Are you a disciplined person? That's a big word. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Organized? Yes.
4: Other people might not see it like that. They yeah. always <laughs> yeah, complaining, why the things lying around the floor? I don't move this. <laughs> the hotel room, every hotel room when I, when I stay more for three days, I leave the don't disturb sign <laughs> on the door. Don't come in here. Even the maid would understand, move it, move it. So that is, my, that is my
2: order. Let me ask you a little bit about your process as a composer. Yeah. Are you someone who constantly works to create and build a composition, or does it ever just come to you fully realized? Sometimes it comes fully realized in your ways. And
4: uh, I have no explanation of how it comes in. I have a song called, a uh, composition called Did You Hear That Sound? and it was about just before daybreak I <laughs> and uh, in a dream this man comes to me and says to me come to the piano so if somebody tells you a dream you better do it so I go to the piano and, and he says play this and then it disappears <clears throat> so I went to the piano and there was the complete Complete uh, changes of the song. In our tradition, we we refer to it as transmission, hmm. but T R A N C E, oh. so trans transmission.
5: <laughs>
4: I get <it. laughs> yeah. And that is uh, how knowledge is imparted from, from, from the elders to, to, to us. Also, is through this process because it's not an intellectual process. It's something that happens on another.
2: You mentioned earlier that when you were looking at some of your older works that you hadn't seen in years and haven't been performing in years, that you might like to revisit them. And I wonder if when you do revisit an older composition are you tempted to tinker with it? Do you change it in some ways? Or is it fixed? Um, This project that I have
4: in in South Africa, I call it Ancient Tradition, New Relevance. Mm. Mm. Because no matter what it is, if if I wrote it 50 years ago, it's an ancient tradition, but there's new relevance to it. Everything has new relevance, because for us there's no past, there's no future, there's only now. And that's why we... um, no, no, jazz music is something incredible because you're dealing with this instant, and it's also the, the the mindset and tradition of the ancients, if you deal deal with the now. Uh, uh, Art Blakey never allowed his musicians to bring music to this to the stage, written music. You had to memorize it. You think. So, and so. If you, for example, you, you, deal, you deal with, only dealing with written music, you are dealing with the past. Mm. It's something that has been recorded in the past, but what is now?
2: So when you write a new work for one of your bands, let's say Ekaya, do you actually hand out the music, or do you teach it to them for their ear?
4: Uh, how, I <laughs> how I do is maybe I write something, but just sketch it out, you know, and I keep it hidden. Then I go into the studio, and they're busy setting up and then I start playing the new composition and then uh, some don't hear what I'm doing. And then the tenor player will say, hey, what, what is that? And I say, oh, you got it. <laughs> so then we expand from there. And something that I, I learned from Monk. Hmm. Monk was uh, recording and some new work in the studio with Charlie Rouse and uh, so they were rehearsing, and Charlie <laughs> so said to to Monk, Monk uh, when do you want me to take a solo?" And Monk said, "Just find a nice place there, and then you go." <laughs> but <I don't> <laughs> okay, "Wow!"
5: <laughs>
4: nothing technical about it. Eh? This is what we learn. learn. from from the masters of how you can convey uh, what your your compositions to to to, the, to musicians. So you give them the freedom to to express themselves.
2: I know you've spoken about the healing power of music. Yeah. Do you think all music is healing?
4: Well everything is beautiful. It's only our individual perception that says it's not. Mm? I would like again the Japanese Japanese tradition and culture that says uh, the, this concept of finding beauty in decay. Mm.
3: <laughs>
4: yes, finding beauty in decay. And so far as if something is old, you have to you have to remove it. But in our tradition, the, the, there's no there's no past. There's no past. There's no future. It is now. So. <laughs> This object that you see, whether it's a human being or whether it's a tree or whatever, at that point, from, from our perception it is old, but the perception, excuse me, this is a, this decay as part of the, the life of whatever. So to see the beauty, see the beauty in, uh, in decay.
2: Yeah, because if we are conditioned and used to throwing things away as they get old, what do we do when we start to decay? No, we don't decay. We just get smarter. Oh, you think?
4: Sure. Okay. Hopefully, <laughs> that's what Bruce Lee said. Ah, yes. <laughs> what happens when
2: you get old? You can't fight anymore. I just get smarter.
5: <laughs>
2: um, does you were talking about practice and how beneficial that can be. And I wonder whether practice enables us to um, meet certain unexpected challenges in performance or in life. It deals with your ego. Oh, we talked about ego deals with your
4: ego. Because because, uh, through practice you there's always a challenge which says, oh, you don't know it. Well, so it challenges the ego constantly.
2: And this ego, I think you referred to it as the whisperer? The whisperer, sure. The and ego
4: the ego is always there. Always whispering. whispering. <laughs> That's why the stage is the most dangerous place in the world, performance-based. Why is that? Because of the this. whisperer. <laughs> when I, when I, when I play, play a concert and uh, when I, I get up and there's applause from the audience and I acknowledge the applause uh, and uh, then the whisperer says to me, uh, hey that was a great concert you played. <laughs> Then I said to him, I only do this through grace. And he says, wow, you're very humble.
5: <laughs> so he's on the attack. <laughs> he's on the attack
4: constantly. So, so through, through practice, you're actually uh, engaging and challenging with, with the self. Be, because the, uh, the gateway to knowledge is past the whisperer. Because the whisperer's job is to keep you away from it, <laughs> you see, keep you away from the knowledge of the self or whatever knowledge is. So if you can understand, I never understood this until when I started engaging with this, and I, I did not have any work. And then my teacher told me, "You better put your whisperer to work,
2: otherwise you will starve." <laughs> so, <laughs> so the whisperer is like the, go- the lions at the gate, the meat cake.
5: okay (laughs) sure (laughs) why
2: not Um, I have many more questions I'm dying to ask him but I think some of you may also have questions and we certainly could um, entertain those questions now if anybody has anything you'd like to ask Abdullah Mm -hmm. in the back of the room there's a microphone
3: good evening Uh, appreciate your artistry and your humanity, uh RPM. Okay. Um, My question is, um, are you looking to explore um, music scores some more? I really enjoy the Chocolat uh, music score that you did. Okay. So are you looking to do more music scores?
4: Yeah. the uh, movie score Chocolat is uh, uh, Claire Denis, the director. This was her first uh, film as an independent director because she worked with film vendors on uh, Paris, Texas, um, so she asked me to to do the music for it. but she had been listening to the musicals of when she was filming me or getting the concept. Um, we are working on several several new new ones uh, one of the, one of the ideas that we are working with a film filmmaker I used to to do the same uh, process that, that Miles did with uh, Ascension to the Gallows, where there was no written score, but you show the movie and you improvise, and you play, play on it. So busy with, we're busy with this concept. Uh, uh, Claire, uh, what is it, S'en la mort, No Fear No Die, there's another score that we did for so film, film is really, yeah, this uh, synergy that I can create between the musicians and, and the film itself. So with, with, with Claire and, with, and also this uh, new movie that we're working on, the concept is that I suggested to her that I ascribe an instrument to a character in the film. So, so, for example, we have Ricky Ford, you know, because he has that temperament, you know, in with, with, with a character. Uh, and, it, and it works, right? Instead of actually writing, writing uh, you know, a film, film school.
2: Are you a filmmaker? Oh, uh, no, no. Okay. okay. Who else has a question? Uh, we have right in the center here. If you want to pass that microphone down.
6: Good evening. Thank you. I wanted to ask you a question about um, sort of your musical and spiritual roots being in the African um, Methodist Episcopal Church and you've since transitioned to Islam. And I'd like to ask you about whether or not there's a certain time in your compositional history where that transition is reflected and how it might have changed your, your practice or your composing or anything you, you, you do musically.
4: Some people have asked me now to to, to work with them to create a a musical on on a life story. So we were looking at how do we connect this narrative chronologically. And people suggest, well, you do it uh, through through, uh, actual time periods, dates. I said, well. this has been done soon. so so many times. Then the people suggested, okay, so why don't we take the characters? And that is the link. And I said, No, I think the link is the spirit. Right? Because the spirit is indomitable and the spirit is universal. And again, like I said, what what happened with the with the Soweto Uprisings was that it was a collective change of, of the spirit so the even <laughs> uh, my grandmother was one of the founding members of the AME Church in Cape Town this is the African Methodist Episcopal church out of Philadelphia uh, Bishop uh, uh, Bishop Richard Allen founder of it and they sent uh, 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 bishops to Cape Town, African American bishops, and they intermarried there. So at an early age in the, uh, the AMB Church, I had this Bishop Bonner, Bishop Young, and this experience uh, this, uh, with, uh, with the experience here in the United States. And it always has to do with not what you think, but what you feel. Uh, so for us always, always the expression. So technique, <coughs> uh, technique, technically, to 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 to, to, to uh, okay, the technique is there really to 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 so that you can better uh, tell your story. That's what the technique is about. But the, the, the communication is through spirit, and through and through and through feeling and this is at the heart of the narrative of all people everywhere in the world the, the I realized when I was a young person that what I needed, needed to do was to find my own voice because I knew what everything sounded like I forgot hear a car, that's a car, if I sound a bird, that's a bird but what was my sound? Uh, So I started searching what is, what is, what is, what is my sound? And then when you, when you, when you find this, then you, you are unique because millions and millions of people on this earth and I can hear your voice anyway and recognize it. So the voice is, is our very own identity.
2: Who else? Yes, sir, in the front.
7: Well, I actually... Oh, that's a... No, no, he, he answered my question. I was going to ask you a question about your spirituality because uh, when you spoke, I could hear certain things from Islam and certain things from Christianity, and then with you going to Japan, I didn't know if some Buddhism or Hinduism was in there, but you answered the question when you talked about the uh, finding your own voice.
4: Yeah, I think, thank you, I think basically, basically what we, when we look at this, we we always equate things through religion, you see, we equate it through spirit, you know, the spirituality of it and not the, 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 the exterior dynamics, you see? because it's all the same. A well, little differences here and there. The narrative has been changed, but it's basically, it's basically the same. And some of the, the, the those things are embedded, for example, in, in, uh, in the spirituals. You know? I, I did some changes to my to the spirituals. You know? You know, some people don't like it, but <laughs> <laughs> one of the things is, as we look with jazz musicians, right? Because you know, to say you must play the changes. And that's why I started writing my own compositions, because I said, I'm going through my own changes. You know what I, why should I be worried about playing somebody else's changes? <laughs> but but the, the spirit is, uh, you've got a harp, I've got a harp, all got children got a harp. When I get to heaven, i going to play on my harp, but only with the guys who know the changes. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that does
4: <that makes> sense. <laughs> so, when, like, you
5: know,
4: well, we we don't we don't perceive religions or, or nations or tribes or colors. The, the, the what we have been given is the spirit within us.
2: Hopefully, <laughs> right in front. Thank you. Uh, for me, uh, Gil Scott Heron in the early '70s was an important voice to bring me some awareness to South Africa. Did you get a chance to ever meet him and collaborate with him since he was somewhat crossover? Who was that? Gil Scott Heron.
4: Ah, uh, no, I remember when Gil Scott. We we have been planning to do one of the Johannesburg, what's it, uh, Cape Town, what's it's called. Yeah. Oh, that's, um, yeah, we had we had thought about. Uh, about doing collaboration with another, you know, there was a lot to open the awareness of people with that song. What was it called? Johannesburg? Yeah, it Johannesburg, it yeah. exactly. Yeah. So there were, there were many musicians around the time and some of them didn't, didn't uh, get get the, 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 the exposure but who were involved in, in supporting in supporting the struggle. because. It, you remember like the, the late fifties, you know, there was a, a great international, almost like an up You able to change with many, many things globally, and we were almost like at the, at, the, at the center, the center of it, you know, with the beginning of the, the liberation of, uh, of Africa, and many, many things, many things had changed. So we as young people at that time, as musicians, we were involved in this change and so we were living in South Africa, living in the township, you see. Uh, I mean we read everything. You know, from Shakespeare's sonnets, <laughs> to to Russian poets, to uh, things fall apart from Achebe, to Bhagavad Gita, it was an opening, uh, I guess maybe the more, the more you repress people, the more they want to <laughs> go out.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. I assume you yeah. keep up with what's happening in the world. Yeah. Do you look at the news? Sure. Do you think things are coming together or falling apart? It's the same. <laughs> <laughs>
4: There's only perception, you know, it's falling apart or whether, whether. But
2: what is your perception?
4: There is no past. There is no future. (laughs) There is now. So most of the most of the the conflicts that we see are things from the past. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, and so for me, this concept of of playing jazz music. um, Okay, let me put it this way. I I work with symphony orchestras and philharmonic orchestras. There are ninety musicians. I say, anybody want to take a solo? No. Why? We're afraid. What are you afraid of? You're afraid you we'll would make a mistake. But uh, jazz music is the, the concept is the concept of entrepreneurship. <laughs> because if you go and look for a job, You want to know how much you get paid, you know, you get insurance, you You want uh, stability. But the person that you're going to work for was somebody who took the last hundred bucks and took a chance. So this principle of entrepreneurship is within this concept of of the now improvising. Um, so this is something that we can create when we're talking to people in government and say, well, how do we address this issue of, of, of young people every year being thrown out into the job market with pieces of paper and no job there's a concept of entrepreneurship providing. And, and the question is having the fear you see because the devil threatens us with poverty.
2: And you always have that you whisper. Know, you
4: always have your whisper. <laughs> you can't do it. Indeed. But jazz music says to you, You'll be fearless.
2: Who else has a question? Right there. Here, if you want to uh, hand the microphone back. Oh. Okay.
6: Thank you. A number of years ago, I had an opportunity to sit in a similar kind of situation for, with the Library of Congress, and there was an interview with Daphnis Pareto, and uh, he's, a Cuba, he's a Cuban drummer.
2: That, Daphnis Prieto, the Cuban drummer. Yeah.
6: And I was, when I was there, I was struck by his comment that he regretted, in some way, living in New York because he was separated from the place of being where his Cuban roots were. And I'm wondering for you if you still have access in an authentic way to reconnect with your place, where you came from originally, um, and how does place change what it is that you're creating?
4: I you mean, where I
6: am in South Africa, for example. If you have a- access to go back to South Africa if there's an evolution that's coming, something new that's coming out. Daphnis, I believe, was suggesting that there were new ideas that were in Cuba that he was not really able to access because in New York he was being asked to play kind of traditional styles and couldn't really uh, be branching out too much.
4: Yeah, I as I said before, in South Africa we have nine different nations, you know, and I'm fortunate that I lived in all of them and we still access all of them. And it, uh, I can't speak all the, all the languages, but we understand that, uh, so through the, but through the music we have created a synergy and this is what we're working on, we have a project called Ancient Tradition New Relevance and uh, we, we acquired a farm in the Northern Cape which is called the Green Kalahari we have 800 hectares, so seven kilometers by seven kilometers by five kilometers we have sweet underground water system which is a come from a very unique underwater delta that runs under the farm <laughs> We have about 150 springbok. we have ostriches, everything grows We're in the heart of solar power that is being developed We're in the heart of wind power that is being developed We've just created a relationship with a project called SKA This is the Square Kilometer Array The radio telescope that looks into the universe it's one hour drive from the farm, they should set this up okay. Last year we we graduated about 170 young astrophysicists okay. and about three hours up from, from from the farm we're at the border of Namibia and, uh, and Botswana there's the last remaining group of Bushman people who still speak the, lang- speak the language so we we've been working with them for years because they they, they can transmit <laughs> this uh, this information. They're helping us with uh, with, uh, with plants, understanding the animals. They're, they have something called a hudai, which we you know when we grow up, you know, it's a little root that you eat and it, it cuts off the hunger center. So you can go without eating for days. I think what they've done in America now, they, they've, you know, they've created a uh uh, this? uh uh swimming pool <laughs> so we're working we're working with them the, and how we can uh, transmit this information to the younger generation but also make it uh make it viable for them to be to have product new product so the S S K A S K A SKA project the square kilometer array project the you know about Part that you can actually put a telescope, you can look into the to the universe, you can look into the, the creation so in Cape Town for example they have a their command center, in Cape Town they have about fifty young people from who go in there and you see that they are a console, they're locked into to monitoring the universe second by second <laughs> right. so, so we have uh, uh, because they're like a one hour drive from 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 where we are, this is part of the, the project that we brought uh, uh, on uh, on board. so what we're creating like uh, they have agreed for us to have our own, tele- our own telescope yeah. because in Namibia next to us, the biggest one of the, uh, the largest and biggest businesses now is astrotourism
5: uh,
4: you know, come and gaze, gaze the sun. for me, because there's nothing, people say there's nothing there. It's desert, so it's the clearest uh, 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 vision into, into 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 the sky. Uh, so we're looking, we're looking at this project. So so we have heaven, earth, and we have people, <laughs> and we can you know, offer the offer young young people. So what we say to the, the young people? Okay, why don't why don't you create uh, uh, you write compositions about write music about these events? say so you can create a product about it. Right? Uh, so the Bushman people will also learn uh, animals uh, uh, at the University of Fitz uh, in Johannesburg. There's a, a team of scientists who have been working on this, this project, you know the dung beetle right? <laughs> we used to watch this dung beetle dung beetle when we were kids and play, play with it But Dung beetle always used, moves the ball backwards right? Then you observe that sometimes he gets on top of the, the ball and then he does a little thing and then he moves on again So what they realize now is that they, they put barriers But how can you find home for the ball going backwards? <laughs> So they find that when there's a barrier he, he stops and makes his dance and then goes around the barrier go find another way. So they, they understand now that during the day when he does that dance on top of the ball, he gets orientation. In the day he gets orientation from the sun and at night from the Milky Way. Right. There's a dung beetle. <laughs> so these are, these are things that we knew when we were children but we didn't know the you know, was always a question: Why? What is this? Why is this thing doing? So now with, with modern technology, we're beginning to to understand this, and it, it widens the scope of education, and it widens the scope of possibility for for job opportunity, for work, Yeah. For so this one of one of the one of, one of the ideas, and so we look at also all the different different animals. Uh, to, um, and you see the relationship that the Bushman people have with animals, which is like all hunter-gatherers. And if, if, you, if you see them hunting, you know, hunting a, a deer, and, and the process of when, when the animal dies, you know, speaking, speaking to the animal and thanking him for giving his life, you know, for sacrificing his life. So the idea is this, uh, uh, not breaking the link of the cycle. If we break the link of the cycle, then we have disaster. In, in, in Cape Town, for example, I'm a correct Jay, the farmers have problems because, uh, <laughs> because the bees are gone, which we know everywhere. The bees are gone. So you know, the bees are not there. It means that there's no food production. So on on the, on the farm, we know that there's there there are bees. There no we know there's honey. We haven't found the, the nest because we see the bees. So one person suggested we should uh, do some. What do they call it? This bee farming with a. So you say, yeah, well, I know, I know a guy, the guy can bring a queen bee, and I say, oh, <laughs> wait, wait, right there, because you, you are, now you're upsetting the the, the natural, natural rhythm. So to answer your question, we've been, we've been busy this for for, for for many years, and now some people are coming on board, people in government, because they begin to understand that it's a, maybe a viable, viable uh, idea but it's also the way that we think and play the music. It's it's,
2: it's organic. Uh. We have time for, oh, one last one in the back.
7: Yes, thank you. Um, This has been a wonderful experience. Um, I'd like to uh, revisit a question that Larry asked about when you went into exile with kind of a two-part question. Um, So when you went into exile and during that time when you were away from South Africa, how did the news of hearing about family or friends or comrades you know being lost to the apartheid system impact your music and playing while you were in exile? And then when apartheid ended and you were finally able to come home, how did being able to return home to a new environment, a new South Africa that was different from what you left impact your playing.
4: The experience is through the spirit. When I, uh, Cape Town, a place where I grew up. It over five, five, ten, ten kilometers outside of Cape Town, called Kensington, is where I grew up. And we used to have this what they call shabins, they were brothels because we were not allowed to drink uh, with liquor. <laughs> so the people, uh, the illicit, shebeens, we call them shabins, where you could buy this, buy this uh, liquor, and it became a communal thing. It's something that is still ongoing there, uh, where people collect, you know, meat socially, socially. And there was one of these places in, in Kensington, it was an old little, little house with a corrugated iron. And I always loved to go into the Shibido and drink some beer. I had a special feeling about this place. I didn't know what it was. But it felt so calm and wonderful. So when we went into the exile, this was one of the recurring dreams that came. You know, this feeling that I'm back home, and then you wake up to reality. <laughs> So, when we went back, I said, let me, let me go and find this place. First thing that I thought of place, like, let, let me go and find this place. What is it there? So, I went, and I grew up in a place, I drove around for, for a week, I couldn't find Up and down, up and down. So, I told my teacher, my teacher just try it again. So, the second time I found it, and, and it was a... It was still the old houses, they changed it, but it was still basically the same thing. And I said, I, will, I want to make a, a DVD, a story, just from filmmakers and, and, and write some music and, and tell this narrative about this house. So I went to the house and I said to the people, uh, please, uh, I would like to, to do a film here with the music. And they said, well, you, you need to ask the owner of the place. And the owner of the place uh, living in the street just up the way, but there was the, the the grounds were massive. It was almost like to to the end of of the street, the whole block, and there was this house sitting at the at the back there. And then I remember from childhood that those people in that house, we never had contact with them. They were they were there, but we never saw them, and it was done. There was no, no communication with them. Anyway, so I said, well, let me go to this house and ask uh, the owner there uh, if I can film, you uh, know. Then I was standing at the gate, and there, a the guy from, from across the street comes and he said, well, how are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, well, uh, I want to shoot this film. But they told me to come and speak to, this, uh, to the owner. He said, well, you came at the right time because I'm the only one allowed in this area who has access to this house and the family. So I'll take you inside. You mm-hmm. see. So we walk into the house and he knocks on the door and the door opens and the picture that I see, I'm looking into maybe like the 16th century. The furniture, you know, they had the, you know those, those old oval for a... Uh, uh, the picture frames from the sepia and so on and this woman comes out, right, pitch black with dark, dark hair and and I, I look at her, she's dressed in like 16th century
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: you know, I her, I'm seeing a ghost or something you know, and, and she's very, very reserved and I said I introduced myself, I said, well, I would like to uh, to do the film, I said, no, no, it's okay So I left, I said, wait a minute now, so I drive around, this was in 7th Street, right? So I drive around in 6th Street, because this Mm -hmm. is where we grew up. And this house, the the people in that house, we never saw them. But from 6th Street, because this uh, this place is like on a hill, there used to be a tunnel that we used to play in, you see? But the tunnel at some point was closed. So, I said, but this tunnel leads into this house. Then we discovered what it is, you see. This was a slave quarter, right? It was a slave quarter, and that lady was a descendant from the slaves that were taken And So there's a, a slave quarter, and that was when we saw when we played this kids. <coughs> there's a, a, a this tunnel. So, what I felt, I think, at that time, why this thing resonated with me you know, going to this house because in, in, in our terms is that the, the ancestors were speaking to us hmm. so what is our task now? this was happened to, some years ago I just left it to that uh, we're going to New York on on a Saturday. Saturday we're meeting, I don't know if you know Dr. Augusta. Yeah, she's, a, she's at Brown University. She's been doing internship in South Africa, now in Cape Town, especially looking at the history of slavery. Right? So she's actually gone to Cape Town to where these uh, slave quarters were and uh, trying to really to, to research it, so we're working with her to, together. So. to answer your question you see, being in exile and coming back again it has has some ways nothing to do with people you see we are just conduit for something that takes us there and what we are supposed to do I think what, what we need to do is just accept our destiny and and through and through uh, through the music, hopefully we can we can tell this narrative of the self, okay? narrative of the self, and the narrative of of the history of of the planet. Uh, when we speak about with Admiral Zheng He, uh, 14th century uh, uh, explorer with 300 ships. And we're talking about them, um, Peters, uh, the Bushman people. I'm talking about my my teacher, teacher, teacher in Japan, and and being here, for example, today, <laughs> so Jay and myself spent four hours with uh, with him, just looking at these documents, you know, the music that these people have written. And we're fortunate that we we know some of them, Mingus and Eric Dolphy. Uh, Ornette, Ellington, I mean for for us, they they were actually not musicians, Ellington for us, when we grew up in South Africa, Ellington was not an American, he was a wise old man in the village (laughs) that you could go to and ask for for advice, and the advice was embedded there in, in the music. So the idea is just to, to, to give acknowledgment to, to, to all these great people who are actually mentors. And like with all mentors, they never tell you the story straight.
5: <laughs>
4: you have to go and research and find out what did they actually say.
2: And now we've come more or less full circle. Uh, yes?
3: Yeah. Yes.
2: You have one last
3: question? This will have
2: to be the last one.
3: Yes. Yeah. So i want to just ask one question. I grew up listening to you, like um, in uh, Rhodesia, in uh, right next door, and uh, they used to play your music. But it's, it's kind of like uh, on those in those days, it was kind of sensitive. Or in, back in the seventies, before our independence, I was wondering how come you are not really singing like uh, songs like Man or Soweto, But uh, how are they political? And uh, what are you really, I don't see any enthusiasm or um, popular, popular, popularity in, uh, with the jazz in our region, in um, uh, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Botswana, uh, among the youth. Is there something you're doing, let's say, to probably cultivate? There are plenty of um, uh, music genres in Southern Africa, but I don't know if what what's your opinion about um Jazz in uh, Southern Africa, especially. I'm trying to understand what what is. is. Yes, what I'm saying is, um, what? How do you assess the in, impact of jazz in in our area in uh, Southern Africa, and, uh, even Africa as a whole, including uh, among the youth? Uh jazz music yes jazz music uh-huh. yeah because we have a lot of uh, great art- artists from long back i don't see a lot of uh, of uh, jazz enthusiasm in the young generation
2: Let's let
3: him answer yeah, thanks are you sure uh, maybe. Well, where are
4: you from where are you from uh, from zimbabwe from from zimbabwe. zimbabwe have you been to south africa recently uh,
3: smoking man you know South South Africa
4: has the biggest jazz audience in the world Ah, yeah sure South Africa we we had the only black owned jazz uh, record shop in the world South Africa in the townships on a Sunday they have those almost like secret societies they meet every Sunday at people's homes and they <laughs> play jazz music and uh, they put them over the speakers that's where you can go there You can go into the township you ask anybody about Ornette Coleman or Guy Warren you know Guy Warren Guy Warren is a drummer from, 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 uh, from Ghana came to the stations uh, lived with, uh, played with Dizzy Gillespie and Right now now in South Africa there's a wealth of young musicians who are playing jazz and also we have just created a uh, uh, started creating a jazz uh, a a little jazz club all over South Africa every weekend in the townships they have what they call jazz clubs every township in South Africa and people get together at people's homes and then they play the speakers, <laughs> the speaker, <laughs> and they have a good little, little taste, you know? But uh, this is where you all the jazz music, uh? I was also asking about the other countries, like Mozambique, yes. I
3: was also asking about the other countries in the region, like uh, Mozambique, and, um, you know there's Kito in, in Mozambique, some of
4: the... I wrote, I wrote a song called Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah, I
3: know. I wrote a song called Mozambique.
4: I wrote a song called Namibia. I wrote a song called Botswana. No.
2: So we, we thank you for that question. We thank everyone for coming tonight. And this, it occurs to me that we've come full circle. We started out by talking about how you can learn about music from talking with the masters. And this is a perfect example tonight. Please help me thank Abdullah Ibrahim. Thank you, sir.
5: Yeah. Thank you.
1: We just heard an extensive interview uh, with uh, Abdullah Ibrahim. Uh, formerly known as Dollar Brand. And, uh, he's this going has been a presentation
0: of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.
1: And uh, Abdul Ibrahim will be playing uh, this evening uh, in uh, downtown Detroit uh, on Saturday, uh, September 3rd, uh, 2022. He'll be playing at 8 o'clock at the uh, main stage at the uh, Detroit uh, Jazz Festival, the 42nd Annual Detroit Jazz Festival. And uh, we'd like to uh, thank all of our listeners for tuning in uh, to uh, the Pan-African Journal Worldwide uh, Radio Broadcast. If you'd like to have access uh, to this program, uh, just go to our website at the Pan-African Radio Network. That's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash pan-African Journal. If you'd like to read the Pan-African Newswire, So you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day. Just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. We'll be closing out uh, with the music of the legendary Abbey Lincoln from the album entitled Straight Ahead. uh, This is Abayomi Azikaway signing off and have a beautiful week.
7: Looking for a crossroad where... confuse a body, lead a trusting soul astray. For some, this road is smooth and easy, traveling high. You got to use the back roads. Straight ahead can lead nowhere. On this road, you got a problem getting where. Speed limits almost, down to nothing, straight up. That noise, Miss Lucy, put that music book away. What's the use to keep on trying if you practice till you're gray? You can't start no notes of flying like the ones that rants and rings from the kitchen to the big woods when Melinda sings. E enough for folks to holler, looking at the lines and dots, When there ain't no one can sense it, and the tune comes in in spots, but for real melodic music that just strikes your heart and clings, just just stand and listen with me when Melinda sings. Oh, it's than the music of an educated band and it's dearer than the battle songs of triumph in the land it seems holier than evening when those silent church bells ring as i sit and calmly listen when Melinda sing Can hear me? mandy make that tower keep still. Can't you hear the echoes calling from the valley to the hill? Let me listen, I can hear it through the brush of angels' wings. Soft and sweet, swing low, sweet chariot, when Melinda sings.
5: Yeah.